This morning I titled my message, Don't Expect Your Reward Here. You're going to hear about bless, being blessed or blessings and woes, but don't expect your reward here on this side of heaven. Got some extra music going. We're going to read from Luke. We're going back to Luke this morning. Is my mic okay? Yeah. Sound okay? Okay. Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 38. Hear the word of the Lord. Then he lifted up his eyes towards his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you when you weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. So for your witness of the Lord, if they cast you out and call you evil, blessed are you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner the fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear. Now not just as in, I, I hear you up there speaking, but he's saying, woes to you who hear the words that I'm saying, that they go into your ears and they penetrate down into your heart. That's what he means by hearing. When you hear, you know, if, if you holler upstairs and tell your kids, hey, it, get your room cleaned up, they hear it. But they don't really hear it unless they get up off that bed and clean the room up, right? Right. Kids have never done that, right? <laughs> but when they really hear, they get up and do that which they heard. When we really hear what the Lord's saying, it moves us. Moves us to action, right? But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who hate that, who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. My friends, God is kind to those that are unthankful and even those that are evil. So we are to do likewise. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. 
Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. May God add His blessings to the hearing and reading of His holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we first thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank You for Your Holy Spirit, who we invite to be in here, not just in the presence of this building, but Lord, in each of our hearts. Father, I pray You would speak to our hearts. Give us the understanding that You would have us to receive today for Your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have an example of rewards. And it really, it was funny even this morning thinking about it on the way, and Brian's going to know where I'm coming from with this. An example of receiving rewards. A preacher and a New York City cab driver both died, and both went to heaven. Though after arriving at heaven, the preacher noticed that the New York City cab driver had been given a higher place than he. And he says, I just don't understand. He complained to St. Peter. He says, I devoted my entire life to my congregation. Well, our policy is to reward results, explained St. Peter. Now, what happened, Reverend, whenever you gave a sermon? He says, well, he says, there were some in my congregation that fell asleep. Exactly, said St. Peter. He says, and when people rode in this man's taxi, they not only stayed awake, they prayed. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, when they are riding in the van with Brian, they are awake. <laughs> They're praying, right? They're praying that we make it safely. <laughs> I let Brian drive this morning, and the kids, I was in the back, and the kids were having fun. It's <laughs> like, where's my crash helmet? <laughs> so we were praying that we made it safely. So... You know, if you ride in the van, he's going to get greater rewards than me up here preaching. Please try to stay awake so you don't take away from my rewards. <laughs> uh, laughter's good, right? Amen. I like that one. I thought you would enjoy it. Rewards. Reward, as used in our passage here in Luke, means what we would actually think it means. Pay for service. So whether good or bad service you're going to get your reward. Bad service, bad living will reap bad rewards. Righteous living will reap good rewards. Rewards in heaven. Rewards from our Father. You know, to be completely honest, who doesn't like to receive a little reward once in a while? Right? Who doesn't like a little reward? You know, if you are a hard worker, you show up to work on time all the time, and you work safe and... Uh, you're very efficient at your job. You get a well along with, get a well, get along well. You want come up here and do the read this one. You get along with others very well, and you know you, you don't cause any trouble. It's nice if management notices once in a while, or your coworkers notice once in a while, and you get a little reward above and beyond that which you would normally get. It is a great morale booster. I think I already shared before that we have a cabinet at work that we have all kinds of little trinkets in there. We got hats and shirts and cups and all kinds of little things. And if we have employees that do very well, you know, they go above and beyond, they work safe, we take, I take them over there once in a while and get them something out of there. And every last one of them is very appreciative, very grateful to receive 
that little token, that little reward. So it is nice to get something a little extra, a little reward. We all like that, right? It's our nature to want a little reward. You know the word blessed. So, you know, when you give someone a reward, they feel blessed, right? The word blessed is used four times in just three verses. The Greek word for blessed in our passage is makeros, meaning supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off, or happy. To most of the Jewish people in Jesus' day, the word blessing would evoke images of a long life, wealth, a large and healthy family, a full barn, meaning they had a good harvest, their barn is full, right? And a defeated enemy. You know, because God's covenant with Israel included such material and physical blessings for His people. And you know, a lot of times when we read the Scripture, and we read things and like we don't understand it because their culture was so much different. But that's one area we're pretty much the same, right? We would pretty well imagine blessings the same way as they did. You know, at Thanksgiving time, we say, what are you thankful for? We're going to hear some of the same things. Thankful for my family. Thankful for my barn is full, or whatever. The many blessings that God has given me. God taught them in Proverbs 3, 1 through 10. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life. See that tagged on there with it? For length of days and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it will be health for your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. See, God taught them, you do this, you will be blessed. Your barns will be full. You'll have long life, many days, right? But it seems when we look at Jesus' teaching here in Luke, it seems to be just the opposite, doesn't it? He says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who weep. Blessed are you when men hate you. This goes totally against what most people think is a blessing, doesn't it? Especially in America, where we have so much. We feel so blessed. We are well fed. We're, we want to be happy. We think if you're weeping, that's not a blessing. If you're mourning, that's not a blessing. If you don't have any friends, we don't feel that that's a blessing, right? We define blessing the same way that Israel would imagine a blessing. I know that we've probably all said or heard. I know that I've said the statements that, you know, I'm so blessed to have my health. I'm so blessed to have a wonderful wife. 
I'm so blessed to have great kids. I'm so blessed to have wonderful grandkids. <laughs> See the emphasis there? <laughs> wonderful grandkids. I'm so blessed to live in the nation that I live in. I've said that many times. I'm so blessed to have a home, a roof over my head, so blessed to have a job to provide for my family. We've all said, I could go on and on and on, right? I mean, have you not expressed your blessings? I hope so. We've all said that. But what happens when the circumstances change? What if our health fails? Are we still going to say, I'm so blessed? What happens if we lose our job? We're still going to say, I'm blessed? We should. Because we are still blessed. We should not only associate blessings with positive things. It's not our circumstances. Jesus associated blessings with negative things. Or things that the world would consider negative, right? You know, there are many different dictionaries that one could use to find the definition of blessed. But the Oxford, Oxford Advanced Learners Dictionary defines the English word blessed as made holy and consecrated. So the word blessed is made holy and consecrated in the Oxford Dictionary. This fits very well with the Greek meaning of supremely blessed, doesn't it? Because to be blessed in the way that Jesus defines is the most supreme blessing. If we could be in that situation, be poor, be mourning, and still consider ourselves blessed, then we understand what Jesus is talking about. Our passage from Luke is most likely Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew 5. But we don't want to take Jesus' words out of context either. The thing that Jesus calls blessed seems to be contrary, but let's look at it in Matthew. Verse 20. Well, let's look at it again in Luke. Then he lifted up his eyes towards heaven, towards his disciples, I mean, and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. So if we would take that and say, well, that's exactly what it means. So if you're poor, you're in, right? I guess that's just the way it sounds. If you're poor, yours is the kingdom of heaven. So just give everything away, quit your job, be poor, and be blessed. You're in, right? That's all you got to do to get in. Just give everything away. Give your car away. Give your house away. Live in a tent. Be extremely poor and you're in, right? No. Just being poor is not going to guarantee you a spot in heaven. Now there are a lot of wonderful, good, God-fearing, poor people. But there's even poor people that are evil. In the same way that there's rich people that are good and rich people that are evil, right? Our circumstances do not get us a ticket into heaven. You know, let's look at the disciples for a moment. I know I was going to get to Matthew, but I got ahead of myself. Look at the 12 disciples of Jesus. They left all to follow Jesus, didn't they? It's kind of like there was... Two callings of the disciples. They walked with him a bit, and then they're back at their business. I'm talking of Peter and Andrew, brothers. They were fishermen, and they were in business with James and John in a fishing business. 
So they had followed him a bit, but they were back fishing. So Jesus one day is preaching by the sea, and the crowd is great, and they keep pushing him back, pushing him back. Well, Peter and Andrew and his, and his partners, they had been fishing all night long, the entire night long, and they caught nothing. Back in that day when they fished, they had cast nets. So it would be, I would imagine, a big round net that had lead weights on it. So they would cast that net out over the water. The lead weights would cause the net to go down like this and try to capture the fish. And they would drag it in, drag it into the boat. So all night long, so imagine this big old cast net with those lead weights on there. It's heavy. They're casting it out, letting it sink, dragging it in, empty. Casting it out, dragging it in. Again, it's empty. Over and over and over, all night long, they caught nothing. Not a thing. So as the crowd pushes Jesus back, they're there cleaning their nets. They're washing their nets up. They're done. I'm calling it a day. I'm worn out. They're exhausted. Jesus said, let me get into your boat and push out from the shore a little bit. So, okay, so he gets in the boat and he's preaching from the boat. So he's done preaching and the crowd disperses. Jesus says, push out a little further. And he says, cast out the nets. Peter says, Lord, he says, we fished all night long. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. We're exhausted. But because you say, cast the nets, we will cast the nets. So they cast out their nets. They were filled. Their nets were filled so full, they almost sank the boat. So they drag it to the shore. He says, follow me. My friends, the greatest catch of their lifetime, they walk away from it. They leave it right there on the shore to follow Jesus. They left all. They became poor, if you will, because following Him meant they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Of course, after they walked with Him a while, they they seen that He could feed thousands with a couple loaves and a couple fish, right? So I hope they trusted that. I know that they did. But they followed Him. They walked away. They walked away. You know, that does not mean that every single believer has to walk away from their business or give everything away. But if God is calling you to, if Jesus is calling you to, then by all means, you need to do it. They left all and followed Him. Now I'm going to get to Matthew. Matthew 5, 3-6. It reads, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I do not believe Jesus is only describing outward circumstances here. I think He is referring to the poor in spirit. He is describing an inner attitude in here, in our hearts, that one must experience to have the blessedness of His presence, and the blessed hope that we have of eternal life. There must be a humbleness within. There must be a spirit in us, a brokenness in our hearts that confesses that we are a sinner and are a great need for Him. That's poor in the spirit. 
that it's, we can't do it ourselves. I think it's more about the humbleness. And if He does call you to give it all, give it all. But it's being humble before Him. It's understanding our own spiritual poverty, if you will. And realizing that we can be filled with Him. Trusting in Him as our Creator. Trusting in Him as our Savior. Jesus shared a parable describing how we need to be humble. In Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Also He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. That they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give tithes of all I possess. I think we talked about those Pharisees last week, didn't we? And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. My friends, he had that poor spirit. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So what does this, what does all this mean for us as believers? Well, there are some questions we could ask ourselves. What am I seeking more than anything else? What am I seeking more than anything else? Am I seeking the things of the world? Am I seeking power? Am I seeking wealth? Or am I seeking God? What are you seeking the most? Am I following Christ, expecting earthly gifts and comfort and prosperity to follow that? Or am I seeking Christ because He is the ultimate blessing and worth every sacrifice? And when I say that, I mean He is the ultimate blessing. Him, His presence in our lives, our relationship with Him is the ultimate blessing. Are my worldly comforts causing me to be lukewarm rather than living with a zealousness for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Verses 22 and 23 said, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. If you are being persecuted for your witness of Jesus Christ, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because it means you're doing the work of the kingdom. So a better way of putting this, if you are not being persecuted, have you become lukewarm? Ooh. If you're not being persecuted, does that mean you have become lukewarm? The Lord also said, Give and it shall be given to you. 
it shall be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Pressed down and shaken. So you know, if you had a big container and, and you filled it up with some kind of grain and you thought, wow, boy, it's full. You can press it down, man. Get up on there and stomp it down in there. Whoa, it's only half full. Well, we're going to put some more in there. Press it down some more. Now it's only three quarter. Put some more in there. That's what that verse is telling us. If we give, if we are generous, when we give, let's say we give a bushel, we're going to get back maybe a bushel and three quarter. Don't give it expecting it. Just give because God has given you a generous heart. So that's how I'm going to approach the wealth and the doing well thing. If you have, give. Period. That's as simple as it gets. If you have, give. If you have, be generous. And God will give back. Good measure, pressed down, is how He'll give back to you. But we do it because of our love for others. Our love for God and our love for others is why we do it. There's a story told that one day a beggar by the roadside asked for alms from, great, from Alexander the Great as he passed by. The man was a poor and wretched old fellow, and he had no claim upon the ruler, not even a right to lift a, solic a solicitous hand, solic solicitous hand, I got it out there. Yet the emperor threw him several gold coins. A courtier was astonished at his generosity and commented, Sir, copper coins would have been adequate to meet this beggar's needs. Why give him gold? Alexander responded in royal fashion, Copper coins may have suited this beggar's needs, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Yeah. How about your giving? Are you going to give as a beggar? Just to meet a beggar's need? Or are you going to give gold? We are a child of the king, friends. We are a child of the king and we should give as we are the child of the king. Should we not? Matthew 5, 13-16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so, so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's why we set our hearts on that reward which is to come. Because the things of this world is hay and stubble. It really is. It's hay and stubble. So why should we set our hearts on the rewards of this world when it's hay and stubble? It's going to burn. It's going to be destroyed. If it's metal, it's going to rot and rust and be destroyed. If it's stubble, it's going to burn. If it's wood, the termites are going to eat it. So why set our minds and our hearts on the rewards that the, earth has, the world has to offer instead of that which God has to offer, my friends? Our reward is eternal in heaven with Him. Galatians 6, 7-10. I'll close with this. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So in due season we shall receive that reward if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. Friends, let us do good to all and keep our eyes focused on that which is to come. Whether that reward up there is going to be small or great, I believe even the smallest reward up in heaven is going to be greater than we can even imagine. And we won't be jealous of the house that the cab driver gets. We won't be jealous of the house that van driver gets because there will be no jealousy there. There'll be no sorrow there. There'll be no mourning there. So we may mourn here, but consider ourselves blessed even when we're mourning. We may lose some old friends, but consider ourselves blessed if we're faithful and witnessing for Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about. Letting them know about that great reward that God has prepared for those who believe on His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen?